Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Burke, host and producer on News Radio 630, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, covering the Kentucky Wildcats. Day two that I can officially tell you where I'm working, which is exciting. Thanks to so many of you all who subscribed yesterday on Monday as we record this on a Tuesday, and you're probably listening to it on a Wednesday. It was, uh, it's been a great start at The Athletic, and uh, you can follow us there. Go there, sign up. Got some really cool stuff coming out. But in the meantime, if it is a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, Monday through Friday, Curtis Birch and I will be here talking about it every day, every week on the Locked On Podcast Network, and we have a pretty cool show for people today. Today we talk with Stu Mandel of The Athletic about Kentucky football and the impact overall. We get into a lot of cool topics, including I went there. Is Mark Stoops going to leave Kentucky? <laughs> is Mark Stoops on the hot seat? <laughs> no, the other way. <laughs> well, it depends. He won last week. so You're never happy, Curtis. <laughs> can uh, if, they're, if they're not winning enough, is he on the hot seat? If they win too much, he's going to leave. Can they keep him? So we dive in with that with Stu Mandel and a, and a ton of other topics. So here's our conversation. Now joined by Stu Mandel of The Athletic. I guess, Kyle, your colleague, right? That's right. We can talk about it now. <laughs> Stu, I have, we've been doing this podcast for a few weeks now, and I, we, in, we do an intro at the, at the start where we kind of say Curtis works at the uh, radio station here in town, and I, I'm a writer. But uh, I've, I've been saying, uh, coming to a website, near you soon to be announced for for weeks and weeks and i gotta weeks. think that most people have figured it out by now yeah i think it was i i got a bunch of texts about the about the the worst kept secret in in sports journalism uh yesterday but i, I think a lot of people sort of figured it but uh yeah it's cool really exciting first day yesterday we're recording on tuesday monday was my first day and uh it was a it was an awesome start kentucky fans have uh jumped on board i think we may have gotten some football fans even as I have been hired primarily as a basketball guy. But, Stu, you and I go way back, and I'm really excited to uh, to be your colleague now, finally. Well, we are thrilled to have you. And can we share the story now of, like, uh, I think it was right after you got hired, you were asking uh, you were asking me, you know, do you think there'll be opportunities to write about football? And I said, yeah, absolutely. When Kentucky has his dream season this year. You did. So we'll be calling on you often. That was, and, like, week two, I think. It was, like, before they had even beaten Florida, maybe. But that was, you know, we were joking at the time. But it's true. Yeah, the dream season is in progress. So I, I'm actually, as we sit here, I'm I'm putting some finishing touches on a on a big football profile. So we'll have that out this week, maybe by the time you guys listen to this. Yeah, and I think, uh, Stu, a lot of people kind of follow your bowl projections and those kind of things. And uh, that was one of the stories that came out. A lot of local local people do, you know, a national perspective of where Kentucky's going to end up in a bowl. And your most recent one had them in the Peach Bowl. And that would cap off a dream season for Kentucky football from a person who works on the UK radio network. That would kind of actually be a nightmare and dream mix because that's the same day as the UK Louisville game. <laughs> so there'd be some logistical <laughs> issues, um, but kind of walk that us through happening. Doesn't it? Didn't that happen last year too? Yeah, it yep. did. Um, but how did you get to Kentucky football into the peach bowl? Well, when you, start doing those projections for the year six, I basically just look at schedules and say, okay, who, who's, who would have the best chance of being 10 and two basically at the end of the year. Now there have been nine and three at large teams in the new year, six bowls, but you can't really count on that. So after they beat Mississippi state and South Carolina, and given what we know about, you know, the rest of the sec East at this point, 
you know, obviously Georgia is going to be, uh, I'm, I'm writing that as an L. But beyond that, you know, what games could they actually lose? This week's game, obviously, would be one of them, maybe at Missouri. And that's about it. So I think, you know, it's crazy to say that, obviously. They haven't even won nine games since 84. But it's a, it's a realistic possibility at this point. What this this may be uh, this is probably giving away the the subject of what I'm working on, but <laughs> that's okay because it's it is uh, it'll be out soon. Benny Snell is kind of the face of this program. Uh, you know he's he's getting in some Heisman conversations. I, I don't think he has a chance to win the Heisman because I think the way some of these quarterbacks are playing and it's such a quarterback award now. Uh, I mean, two is basically perfect so far this season. But Benny is is on some lists. What do you think of Benny Snell as a Heisman candidate? I think some of it is personality with him. It helps. And what is a what does a running back at a non power program have to do to get to New York? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think he certainly has uh, name recognition, and it's not the greatest. I mean, right now everybody's talking about quarterbacks. Uh, everybody's talking about Tua, Tyler Murray. Dwayne Haskins and Will Greer in particular. I look at the list of rushing leaders. Jonathan Taylor's right at the top, and he came in on a lot of a list. But you know, it's a lot. After that, it's not uh, the not a lot of star power. Uh, but it is going to be challenging for him, not just because of the quarterbacks that everybody's paying attention to, but I believe that to win the Heisman uh, in 2018, you have to be on a team that's in playoff contention late into the season. Uh, even Lamar Jackson, the year he won. Um, even though they didn't end up, uh, you know, they, they had those losses at the end of the season. He was, they were in the national championship playoff conversation up until that Houston game, which I believe was mid-November. Like ninth game so, of the season or something like that. Yeah, and then at that point, the, the feeling was he was just, it was a weird year. I mean, the feeling was he was so far ahead that even though they, they collapsed at the end, nobody, they didn't, people didn't feel comfortable elevating anybody above him. But it, for the most part, it's a, it's a last impression kind of award and the, the biggest games at the end of the season, the games that the most people are watching, obviously, are the games that have playoff implications. So, you know, to answer your question, can Benny Snow win the Heisman? Yeah, if Kentucky is playing in the SEC championship game for a spot in the playoffs. What what if what if Benny Snell is keeps up his current pace and goes for a buck fifty and a couple touchdowns on Georgia in a game. Let's say even Kentucky doesn't win that game, but but takes Georgia to the wire or does yeah you know, or I mean, pulls them off. Because the other thing we have to kind of be realistic about is you know as great as the season has been for fans in Kentucky, I don't know that these I don't know that many people nationally have been watching these games so far. Maybe a little bit more Florida than the last two. The Georgia game, you know, certainly if they go into it highly ranked, a lot of people are going to be watching that game. So a big performance back game, obviously, would, would put him on the map. I do think they'd probably have to win it, though. I mean, you yeah. don't really see a lot of cases where a guy uh, puts up big numbers and a loss and suddenly jumps up the Heisman list. You know, you would, I mean, I think if Penn State had finished the deal the other night, you would see Trace McSorley on all these lists today, yes. but he's not. And uh, should be, I think, anyway. because of a fourth and five call. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, in the, in the ESPN uh, poll, I think it's actually tied for fifth. Benny Snell, McSorley, and... Um, the big kid out of Houston, a defensive player. So that that is kind of crazy that, as you mentioned, it is almost winner-based more than anything because McSorley deserves it as much as anybody. They outplayed Dwayne Haskins in that game, but you still see Dwayne Haskins higher on those lists. 
not Kentucky related, but is that the worst call of the football season? Taking the ball out of his hands. I know you were. I think it was you speculating on Twitter. Like, surely that wasn't the call. Like, surely there was a, a change at the line by the quarterback. It uh, was just such a bizarre play call. It wasn't even like it was fourth and two, and they decided to run. It was fourth and five. But yeah, I thought when he changed, they called two timeouts. He changed the play twice. I thought, okay, he got the wrong play or something. But no, they said afterward, both Franklin and um, and McSorley said that that was the call. That's what they were trying to do there. I I think Mark Stoops can appreciate uh, the heat that some people uh, have put on Franklin for that call. He has had. Uh, he's obviously built this program on an upward trajectory pretty steadily, but Mark has had a couple situations in the past where, where fans just shredded him. And, and I think rightfully so you had the two situations last year where they left in the Florida game where they left receivers uncovered and they blow that game. How much do you think the perception of Mark Stoops as a head coach has been elevated? And obviously there's games to play and this could all fall apart. But, but at the, at this very moment, how much has it been elevated from a, maybe from a national perspective, the respect maybe that he has now compared to even a year ago. Absolutely, um, you know he is one of the the guys being talked about right now as having you know one of the best coaching jobs so far. And I think it, it's not you have to be at the right place in the right environment to to survive what he has, which is a very very slow and gradual climb. If you look at it from kind of a big picture standpoint. You know, they ha- it has been a progression. It's not like they've been all over the map, but it's been very slow and gradual. And so, you know, probably if he were the coach of Florida, right, he would have been long gone by now. You, you can't withstand. There's only going to be so long before they would be like, why aren't you winning 10, 11 games a year? Um, this is a program where the expectations are a little bit lower, where there's not as much pressure, and so he's been given time to do it. And here we are in year six, and it's paying off. But I just don't know that many people nationally had an opinion of him one way or the other before because it wasn't like he was, you know, um, doing big things nationally, but they weren't bad either. Right. They were just kind of this team that you could had gotten to the point where you could count on to win six or seven games. Yeah, it almost kind of felt like anytime Mark Stoops' name got brought up nationally, it was first mispronounced Bob, you know, they would call him by his brother or <laughs> at least mention Bob in the in the first time they were they were talking about him. And now he's kind of changing that that narrative going forward. We'll talk a little bit more to Stu Mandel here in a minute, but first I wanted to tell you guys about Vivid Seats. We all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on our favorite team. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in a section or row of your choice. To make things even better, right now Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for $20 off orders of $200 or more. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enter promo code Locked On. For $20 off orders of $200 or more. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you to your favorite live event. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is probably spinning ahead way too far, but it happens with this Kentucky fan base every year because they know, I think they understand what they are in the pecking order. Is, is there a chance that he could move on? Is that too early to even talk about it? 
Uh, I think it's a little too early because, I mean, let's not forget, and I'm sure your fans haven't, that um, they've not been the best late-season team. So as great as they look right now, you know, I'm sure there's there's a part of us that, that is going to remain skeptical that they aren't going to just fold in November. But, um, you know, I think if he had just a great, you know, uh, certainly if they were to beat Georgia and win the SEC East, but even short of that, you know, a 10-win kind of season like we're talking about, yeah, he's going to become a hot name uh, on a lot of the lists. But the other thing, you know, while Kentucky may not be as high in the pecking order, they're still an SEC school that can afford to pay the guy a lot of money. So, you know, it would be a short list of programs where you would say, okay, that's an obvious step up. I think like any coach, the goal is to coach at a place where you can contend for national championships. Can you really do that at Kentucky? Probably not. Um, But there's probably only 15 or 20 schools where you could, and I don't know that those jobs are, are really going to be open this year. Yeah, one thing I've I've said over the last few years to sort of malcontent Kentucky fans when it comes to Stoops is, I, I and you talk about kind of right place or, or the the you know the right fit and all that type of thing, expectations and all those things that have to come into play. I think he's and have thought for a long time he's exactly what you have to think about getting to build your program if you're a place like Kentucky. A guy who is you know, going to grow into the job, which will mean, mean some, some growing pains along the way, but also means he maybe puts down some roots and he inve- he's invested in this thing with you and the kind of guy who will stay because of the reasons you said. I mean, he can, he can make piles of money for, you know, in, you know, infinitum if he keeps winning at a pretty good clip at Kentucky. Uh, and you can hope to have jump up and have this kind of year every couple years, every few years, where you have this special year and bottle something, uh, have a veteran group. Um, but that's been sort of my opinion for a while now that he, that Kentucky is the place where you should want a coach like this. That you you see something in who's unproven, and you give him a time, you give him time to grow into the job. Um, you suffer with him a little bit through some of those growing pains and stand with him. And then you've got a, a guy who wants to stay, uh, who's comfortable here, who realizes this is, hey, he's got it pretty good. And, and over time, I think the fan base grows to appreciate that well that as well. I think that's happening with a lot of Kentucky football fans this season. Like, hey, actually, it looks like we have a pretty good coach here. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I think, by the way, I think that's one of the reasons Rich Brooks was such a great fit there because, yes. you know, he wasn't looking to jump somewhere at that point. Um, I think that, you know, we're very so we're for five games into what is shaping up to be a possibly really good season. Um, the question is, can you string together great seasons there? And if you can do that, then I think there's less incentive to leave. Um, you know, maybe this becomes uh, a more formidable program uh, year in and year out, and not one that necessarily just waits every four or five years to rise up and have a season like this. If you can show that you can be a consistent winner, um, then there's less reason to leave. Does it help to you that to me it seems like? Georgia has obviously jumped way, way up uh, above the crowd in the East, but it seems like the rest of the East, and we were in a, what, a decade now of this, the rest of the East is just kind of there for the taking. And and I think for the foreseeable future, I mean, I mean Florida is going to get better under Dan Mullen, but I, 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 see a, I see still a path where Kentucky can challenge to be that second best program in the East kind of year in and year out for a good little stretch here. Because I think Tennessee's got some major growing pains. Uh, Missouri's yep. about to lose the, the, the star of its program. 
uh, and is otherwise, I think, relatively underwhelming. Vanderbilt, not very impressive. Um, yeah, I just, to me, in South Carolina, Kentucky all of a sudden owns South Carolina. It stands out that we talked about yesterday on the podcast. It's not fluky in any way. Like, Kentucky has just risen above South Carolina as a program now, talent-wise, across the board. Um, it, it feels like, to me, there's a path for the foreseeable future for Kentucky to be that that second best program in the East. I mean, there was you know a time there, nineties um, in the nineties and the early two thousands, when Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee were all clicking. And when that's the case, you know Kentucky is going to be hard to compete with those programs. Uh, obviously, Georgia is set right now. It's very smart. I think they're building a juggernaut. But Tennessee is a mess, and I, there's no guarantee that Jeremy Pruitt is going to get that thing fixed or certainly get it fixed quickly. I do think Dan Mullen's a good coach, and I think he'll get Florida back. And when Florida's clicking, you know, given the state that they're in and the talent, that's another hard one to keep up with. But after that, I don't. There's, there's, there's just no reason. There, there's no set in stone reason why Kentucky has to be grouped with Vanderbilt, Missouri, South Carolina. Um, you know, there's nothing those schools have that Kentucky doesn't. You know, we, we talked about Benny Snell a little bit earlier, and obviously he's the guy that's garnering the most attention nationally from college football. But at the next level, I think the top guy on Kentucky's roster is Josh Allen, who uh, leads the nation in tackles for loss and leads the SEC in sacks. Has he opened some eyes? Because I think he, people, everybody knew around here he was going to be good, but I didn't think we would, knew he was going to be this good. Yeah, and that's another case, a rare case where, you know, got, he's he's developed over the course of his career. It wasn't like a five-star recruit who comes in and it's just dominant from day one. Or Two really stars. Looks like he's going to be dominant. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not Nick Bosa, uh, you know, Ed Oliver from day one. Yeah, he's definitely opened eyes. I think that, you know, I think Benny Snell plays a more glamorous position and is a, probably a better story, but... Um, you know, I think come NFL draft day, whenever that may be, Josh Allen's gonna gonna be the guy. So uh, a lot of that, you know, that's another way players get attention outside of all the coverage they get, obviously in the SEC. Uh, when the NFL people start taking notice and he starts showing up on high on draft lists and stuff, that it kind of can work backwards sometimes. Where all of a sudden college football and the people who vote on the All American team and stuff are like, oh, yeah, I guess I guess we need to pay attention to this guy. Yeah, I think when you, I think when you, for the for for the lazy voter out there, if you're the the easy metrics are, let's go to uh, CFB stats. Who's at the top of that list? Well, there's Josh Allen on on sacks and tackles for loss. Let's go to the draft the draft rankings. There's Josh Allen in the top fifteen. He's probably an All American. You know, for the for the lazy, he's he he meets all the lazy voter criteria, and that's uh, that's something that I think Kentucky players don't often do. Um, it also helps that he's listed as a linebacker. Yes. So, cause, I mean, this year is just defensive ends a tough spot. Linemen around the country is insane. So you can, you can he's going to get on. If he's going to get on America, he's probably going to be a linebacker. Yes. We'll have Stu talking about the Kentucky Texas A and M matchup in just a second. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Next game, the next challenge for Kentucky. I think the game that if they win. Pretty much everything is on the table for Kentucky going into the second half of the season. Obviously, at, at six, they'd be six and zero and four and zero in the league, and and to record a, a road win in that environment in, in College Station would, I think, send another big strong message uh, about who they are this year. Um, 
is Texas is this Texas? I mean, they they don't have a great record, but is this Texas A and M team gettable for Kentucky on the road based on what you've seen? I know Jimbo is trying to to build a competitive program. They took Clemson to the wire. We don't know yet if that means anything because I think Clemson is diminished from a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but but is do you think this Texas A and M team looks imminently gettable for Kentucky even even there in College Station? Yeah, I was at that Clemson A and M game, and if you'd asked me that night, I'd say no chance. I mean, they they played out of their minds that night, uh, and Kelmon in particular. Kelmon has not had a game close to that since then. You know, they they seven point win over an Arkansas team that we know is not good. So I think what some of that is not just new coach, but young team. So they're kind of all over the map. And if they play anywhere close to the way they did that night against Clemson, that's probably going to be tough for Kentucky. But I do think to answer your question, I do think they're gettable. Because uh, they're very inconsistent, they're still fairly young at key positions, and you know, uh, as we've seen, Kentucky has a defense that can get after the quarterback, and Kellen Mond's really key to the whole thing there. Yeah, to your point, 430 yards and three touchdowns, no picks for Kellen Mond against Clemson, and in the last two games against Alabama and Arkansas, or really in the last three games, uh, he's averaged 200 yards passing with two touchdowns and four interceptions. So. Uh, he's he's come back, really come back down to earth. Well, I throw out the Alabama result because that's right. going to happen to everybody that right. faces Alabama. Right. But you know, no touchdowns, two picks against Arkansas. Against Arkansas, yeah that that was that was not a good game against Arkansas. What do you make of the face mask grab from Jimbo Fisher? Um, I'm a little bit middle ground on that. I guess I, I don't um, I don't think he needs to be fired or, or suspended or anything like that. But I don't think it's appropriate for you know a a high profile head coach to be doing that to a player you know in the middle of the game on national TV in front of millions of people. You know I get that you know uh, you see a lot of people saying, well, that, my high school coach used to do that all the time. What's the big deal? Uh, I just you know a high school coach doing that in practice is a much different thing than Jimbo Fisher doing it uh, in a game where that YouTube clip's going to go viral and everything. You know I think it's been telling. That in the days since this, there's been a lot of criticism. You know, there's been a lot of opinions on both sides. But I've noticed that almost unanimously, the former NFL players who are in the media or on TV were, um, you know, not on Jimbo's side on that one. And that tells me right there that like players, actual college, you know, players at the highest level view that as a, a very disrespectful thing to do. Yeah, I mean, this this idea that like you're we're not tough if we. You're not tough if you can't deal with that. I mean, the toughness is is uh, separate from respect, and I think it. I think it mainly it was just about the disrespect, not that it was, you know, this, he was going to hurt the kid. It was just, it was a bad look, and I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't have appreciated if my boss if if you yanked me by the by the face, <laughs> Stu, <laughs> we're going to have a problem. Just imagine if a player had. I mean, player said he was fine with it, but imagine if he had like done the same back to Jimbo, pushed yeah, Jimbo done back. The same back. I mean, it nobody would be... me saying, "Oh, that's just football." Well, I think it's great. The thing I think it's great about it is that we. I think I said this to Curtis yesterday. It's like when you uh, you tell your kid, like, "Hey, we do not hit," and then you spank them. Um, <laughs> you know, and I'm not necessarily anti-spanking, but I just think like in that actual moment. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a funny message. And, and Jimbo said like he was, I think he said he was trying to tell him, you know, don't be out there pushing and shoving and fighting with guys and doing all this extra. And then he, he gets that point across by yanking his head off his shoulders. 
It's good stuff. Don't look at the comments of our colleague Nicole Auerbach telling about it yesterday. Oh boy, they're not pretty. Yeah, I I can imagine. <laughs> uh, everybody gets a trophy. I bet that's in there somewhere. Participation a trophy. Of, a lot of a lot of snowflake comments. And, yes. You know things to that effect. They might as well be playing in tutus out there. <laughs> Uh, well, Stu, we, we really appreciate your, uh, time visiting with us. I know you're a busy man for our listeners. Stu does awesome stuff on, uh, national college football, as does, uh, another of our friends, uh, Bruce Feldman, who has fairly recently joined the ever growing, uh, incredible roster at the athletic. We mentioned Nicole Auerbach. There's a bunch of others, a bunch of people I really respect that I am now colleagues with. They do awesome stuff on college football. We do a bunch of awesome stuff on college basketball that I'm going to be a part of. So follow Stu. Stu, is it, what's your, your Twitter handle? SL Mandel. SL Mandel. Follow him. Sign up. Subscribe to The Athletic. And uh, it's going to be a fun season, football and basketball. Thanks, Stu. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks again to Stu for joining the podcast. Be sure to be following along with all his work because if you subscribe to Kyle on The Athletic, you get his work for free as well. That's right. Not for free as well, but in no addition. In addition to, one subscription gets you everything on The Athletic. We cover the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, Major League Baseball. Uh, We have some crazy, I have some crazy colleagues now. Stu Mandel and and Bruce Feldman, guys that you've seen in Sports Illustrated. Uh, Seth Davis is one of my bosses another guy from Sports Illustrated. Uh, we have Ken Rosenthal on baseball, about as good as it gets in uh, national Major League Baseball coverage. We have Peter Gammons uh, on the staff. It's really cool. And we have Shams breaking all the NBA, the sort of Woj, Woj 2.0, Shams bombs on NBA news. Um, it's exciting. Brett Dawson, who many of you guys know, covered the Cats for a long time. He now covers the Thunder for the Athletic the Oklahoma City Thunder that has three Wildcats, including Patrick Patterson, who might start for them, and uh, recent draft pick via trade, Hamadou Diallo, who I think is exciting some people with his athleticism out there. So uh, there's just there's a ton of stuff, and like I said, one subscription about a, the cost of pri- the cost of a a single cup of coffee per month gets you everything we got, including all the cool stuff I'm going to be writing about Kentucky. So thanks for this. Latest free ad. Curtis is going to be charging me. We have well, PayPal set up, so I can just he can just take it right out of my bank account. Real quick, I need to quibble. Where? How much does coffee cost you? What do you mean? If you go to Starbucks, a cup of coffee's four bucks. What are Plus. you getting? What are you getting? I, mean, I can, I mean, I can go just, down. If you're the... just getting coffee, don't let's <laughs> let's say I'll say I'll start saying a cup of gourmet coffee. <laughs> you jerk. I'm trying to tell people uh, it's cheap. <laughs> well, it is cheap, but like I'm, I mean, I normally for the yeah. for the price of a gallon of gas in California. <laughs> <laughs> we need, that needs to be your gimmick. You need to find something that's right around whatever it is every day. Come up with a a for new the, a new for equipment. the price of one gallon of organic milk. <laughs> <laughs> organic milk is expensive. Holy crap! I my kids drink. Organic whole milk. I guess that's what the doctor told us after we transitioned them off of formula and they got a little bigger. They said organic whole milk. So that's what they drink. That A gallon of organic whole milk is like $6. So for way less than an, a, a gallon of organic whole milk, you can read, you can buy a month subscription so, to the athletic. So putting that out, 
all the way. So six gallons of organic milk can get you a whole year to the athletic. I think something like that. Yeah. There you go. There that's, you go. A, that's a pretty good deal. I think, I think, I think for six gallons of milk. I'll we'll even do trades. <laughs> if you, honestly, I'll pay if you'll bring me six gallons of organic whole milk. I will. I'll buy. I'll buy your subscription. There is the little gift button at the top of the. Right. the, the they do page. make good good gifts. Somebody asked me that last night. They're, I think it's a cool thing to give to somebody for their birthday or Father's Day, Christmas. So, the athletic, <laughs> get there. The athletic and organic milk. What a way to wrap up this podcast. That's right. Uh, you can follow us online, search Locked On Kentucky on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter at Locked On UK. I'm on Twitter at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. I'm at Kyle Tucker, now underscore uh, A-T-H, at Kyle Tucker, underscore A-T-H. Change the handle today. If you're interested in advertising, shoot us a quick email, LockedOnKentucky at gmail.com. We'll get some information to you. Still offering a couple introductory packages that are relatively inexpensive and can get your company to the Big Blue Nation. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. You are Locked On Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.